Welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. I am, as always, Mike Dominic. I'm not sure who the hell you expected. The show is, as always, brought to you by the Mad Botter, my software consulting company. If you need any iOS or Python development done, give me a call. Today, I have a very uh, frightening and special guest. I believe her name is Lara Dominic. She was previously the queen of the Borg. And if I'm not mistaken, you have a piece of Borg propaganda coming out, right, Laura? Totally. You've absolutely hit the nail on the head. I love it. So, Laura, I think we should full disclosure here. You are related to me, right? You are my wife. Yes, I am um, your wife. You've taken a, uh, let's say, really productive strategy for COVID. What have you been up to? So I actually uh, wrote and published my first novel during the quarantine part of this year. Okay, so starting when? Early March, uh, the first or second week of March, right before we actually went into lockdown. And it was published on, first of all, where is it? What's the name of the novel? We should start, let's basic things first. Yes, a little housekeeping. So the name of the book is Oil and Water, and it is currently available on Amazon. You can pick up the ebook copy or read it for free on Kindle Unlimited. There is also a paperback and a hardcover edition. Awesome. And that can be found wherever you buy books online, I imagine. Yes, Amazon.com has all of them available in one place. You can also pick up the paperback or hardcover at Barnes & Noble or BooksAmillion.com. Okay, what, what is just high-level, super high-level elevator pitch? What is the book about? So the book is actually about two women. Elsie is a very normal human, average, struggling millennial. And then on the opposite end, you have Opal, who is actually a vampire and one of the most powerful vampires that ever existed. But the story is not just your kind of traditional vampire romance, although there is that too. Don't worry if that's your thing. But on a very high level, the story is really more about these two women learning about how their strengths are maybe not their strengths and how to convert what they did not realize as their weaknesses into strengths so that they can come to terms with themselves in the world. Awesome. So jumping back a little bit. All right. So we're talking early March. COVID happens. You and I are locked down with a four-year-old dictator. Yes. Little dictator tot. Yes. The little guy. So, you know, my audience tends to be entrepreneurs, software engineers, uh, quote unquote makers. What was the process? And if you can, some of the tooling you used to actually write this book, right? Or we were locked down and you started the book in March and you finished it. I want to say in, is it May or June? Early May was when the editing process completed. Okay. Was there any specific piece of software or, you know, application service, anything like that, that was helpful? I know you got a bit of new hardware during that, if you want to talk about that. Oh, gosh. I mean, someone did definitely buy me some nice new stuff. It was really great. Wow. So I, uh, I started actually writing it on my iPad with the Word app because it was just really convenient to have a tiny tablet that I could take places. I had a great keyboard that went with it, made it easy because I could take it outside, take it inside. It wasn't as bulky. I could just, I, you know, if I went to the pool at, you know, my mother's house, I could sit outside with it. It wasn't a burden to get it around. Having said that, the Word app on the iPad, once I got to the editing and formatting stage, left a little to be desired. So I really needed a full machine, a full PC in order to work with it. So I ended up uh, getting a Surface Pro with the full office suite. And it has been an absolute dream because it's everything I loved about the iPad while still being a full machine. Well, there you go. So uh, chalk up another loss for the iPad. Joking. Please, please, iOS people do not do not tweet at me. Do not write me. All right. So the book is done. We're in May now, right? Yes. What was the process like from then out? 
So from then on, it was really a matter of deciding how we wanted to get this book out there. Did we want to go the traditional publishing route? Did we want to self-publish, which was eventually the route we decided to take for a number of reasons. Number one is that I'm extremely impatient. Um, (laughs) But really more, it's that there is a certain amount of artistic license that you lose when you go with a traditional publisher. And this being my first book that came from a place of really deep emotions that all came about as a result of quarantine, which was how I managed to get this book out. I really wanted this book to remain in its original form as I put it on paper. So we decided to go with self-publishing. Then it was a matter of researching who the publishers are that have the best reputations, who have the widest reach, who have the best margins for a new writer who wants to try and turn this into a career. Right, because the business model is, um, and this will be familiar to, I think, a lot of people listen to this show, it's effectively the App Store model, right? You set a price, you get some percentage of that price, and it's a little different, of course, because there are physical materials involved where on the App Store, there's not, right? Um, Yes, so there's also the cost to produce. There's the printing cost per item, or you know, for Kindle, there's obviously not a cost to produce, but there is the hosting fees. Right, so, so that's what I wanted to jump into, right? Why not just Kindle? Or just digital, I should say. Apologies to all the nuke owners out there. I'm really not trying to trying to dunk on your uh, your terrible choice of uh, reading device. So the reason to not just exclusively go with Kindle is because that still only makes up about thirty to forty percent of the reading market. Really? The ma- yes, the vast majority of oh. readers who are avid readers who like to get books, they still want to hold a physical book in their hands. Because there's that smell of a book and there is nothing for any of you out there who are readers who love to hold a book in your hands. You know what I'm talking about. You know that smell of a book, a fresh book smell that cannot be matched. And also the smell of a book that you've read a hundred times. And when you open it, you catch a whiff of whatever was in there from the last time you read it because those pages hold on to that. And there's something amazing about that because smell is the strongest link to memory and it strikes something in people. Well, there you go. I stand corrected. So, okay. So is there any significant difference in the, I guess I want to say textual or text formatting for, let's say, well, actually, I guess there's two questions. One, digital versus print. Did you have to do anything significantly different in terms of formatting the text to make that happen? Because I'm assuming, right? I think most people listen to the show on Kindles. You know, the Kindle is a relatively small screen, but you can scale the font. You can change the font. Uh, you can change the spacing, I believe. You have to accommodate that somehow, right? Yes. So for Kindle specifically, now you can have ebooks published through other outlets, but I chose to do my ebook specifically on Kindle for a number of reasons. But for Kindle, you have to use their ebook creation tools. So I had to take my entire manuscript, plop it in there, and then I had to go in and do the formatting through theirs, which basically involved making sure that the chapters were labeled correctly and that they, if I clicked on one of the chapters, it linked to it. Because if you own a Kindle, you know that there's the go-to function. And if you're in the table of contents, you can select the chapter you want to jump to. So I had to make sure that all of that functioned and I had to choose a layout for font, for any sort of embellishments I may have wanted around the chapter titles, things like that. I see. And this tool is effectively a a web app, right? So you're in Firefox or Chrome or something. No, this is actually something that you have to install on your computer. Really? Okay. So it's shocking for Amazon, a company who loves their web apps, but that's okay. So that's the Kindle, right? Yeah, it's called Kindle Create is what it's called. What about, so the print version, you obviously use the printer's tools. What Uh, if you want to- No, actually, so for the print version, one of the printers, their tool was 
extremely difficult, clunky to work with, but they did have an option where you could upload a PDF, which was Amazon's preferred way for you to upload to that too. So what I ended up doing was I had to go in, I had to figure out the size of the book. I had to figure out how, you know, the mar- or the, the margins, the widths, the things like that. And I had to get it all put together as though if I printed it out myself, I could just bind it. And then I had to plop it into a PDF and hand it to them got because it. they allowed okay. that as well. Okay, got it. So you're actually physically formatting the content in the PDF as though it were whatever the dimensions of the book are going to be or are. The book. We should make it super clear. You can currently purchase the book um, at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and, and uh, Amazon, both the print and the uh, Yes, Kindle. online, yes. Uh, yeah. So, Okay. Did you find one part of the process more challenging? Because I, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this have toyed with the idea of doing something like this. But you know, I know I'm just so behind the baseball here, right? I was there while you were doing it, and I got to tell you, that Amazon tool looked like a pain in the butt. It actually wasn't Amazon's tool. I'm not going to say who, um, but it was not Amazon. Amazon was pretty easy because it was just plopping everything in. That was actually probably some of the easy part. The harder part was actually creating the PDFs, getting them, because you had to get the Word document in the correct size format. The margins part was actually surprisingly confusing um, to figure out. But once I did, I've actually been trying to reach out to other authors who are having trouble with formatting who I've met on Twitter, which is actually for authors is a great resource. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. (laughs) I know we will. But I just want to throw that in there. But, you know, like, because something that took me a week, probably of solid 10 to 12 hour days to figure out and finally perfect. uh, The next time around, it'll probably take me less than a day to get it formatted properly, because now I know what to do. So the hardest part was actually getting it formatted correctly in Word, and then brought over into a PDF using Adobe, and making sure that the PDF was laid out correctly. Got it. Okay, well, you mentioned the T word. So let's shift gears a, a touch here. So I have watched you go from roughly zero followers in about a week and a half to almost a thousand or maybe slightly above a thousand because, you know, I did. Uh, We hit 1500 this morning. Right. See, by the time I made my coffee to start this, she got more followers. I got to tell you, when she passes me, I'm just retiring. So folks, enjoy the show while it lasts. What the hell is going on with this writer's lift tag I keep seeing? This is like, let me me tell you how tech Twitter works real quick. So just so you have some frame. On tech Twitter, the way you get attention is the exact opposite of what I see you guys doing over there. It's like mean, calling people out, accusing people of things they may or may not have done, you know, teasing Windows users because that might be Linux, Twitter more. But it's like a very, up until very recently, where I think there has been more of a effort to kind of, you know, under the guise of inclusiveness, kind of not be jerks. But there's still, even like the in- inclusive tech Twitter is still basically just being jerks to people. <laughs> you know, it's just changing the people. What is going on with writing Twitter? You guys are like, it's genuinely a nice community. Well, I think that there is something to be said about people who put a part of their souls out there for people to see where if you have done that, there's a vulnerability in that. And recognizing that in someone else, you kind of want to reach out to them. You want to help them. And so there are so many different kinds of books, so many different kinds of writers and What's really amazing is that we do this thing called a rider lift, which you mentioned, where we'll say, okay, listen, everyone, 
put your stuff here, reply, show me a link to your latest work, show me a snippet of your work in progress, or send me a link to your newsletter so that I can follow you. Because even if I don't read your book or follow you because it's not my speed, all of my followers, because I will retweet this for you, all of my followers will see it. And maybe you'll get some sales out of it. Maybe you'll get some recognition out of it. And the idea is just to help each other build their base because that's all we really can do for each other. Yeah, I found that particularly interesting. One of the things I've been watching is in context of the writer's lift tag. A thing I've noticed is, and I think a thing that helped helped you in particular, people with higher following, so people who have like 8,000 followers, seem very willing in the writing community to not only engage with, but retweet and basically boost people who are just coming in. And I'm going to go on a limb here. In the tech community, that does not happen. In fact, I personally know people who literally won't look at replies unless the person has at least two or 3,000 followers. Which it just seems like, and again, I know people are going to write and say, I don't do that, Mike. You're, you're making a caricature. It's just, or you know what they'll say? The Apple people will say it's because Linux people are mean. That might be true. <laughs> but I got to be honest with you, a lot of like prominent Apple bloggers, stuff like that, they, they just don't re- reply to you. And that's how I sort of thought Twitter worked up until seeing this writer's lift thing. So I'm going to put a question to you that I don't think you expect. And this is fun. Let's put you on the spot. I love it. Why? As our son would say, why? Why is that the case? Why is the dynamics of the writing community on Twitter. So like the tool, so if I look at the Twitter app, now that I've started following you and some of of your fellow writers, literally the the feed is functionally different now. It's a lot of retweets, a lot of positivity, as opposed to a lot of dunking on, you know, it was just WWC, as you know, a lot of dunking on, oh, Android had that feature five years ago, right? Is it a psychological difference between creative writers versus engineers? What, What do you think? Feel free to offend the majority of my audience. Well, I think that there is a there is something to be said for the competitive level of each of the individual fields in tech. There is a, you know, especially when you're talking about perhaps getting to work for a certain company or getting a contract from a certain company, it's a zero sum game. If I get that contract, you don't get that contract and vice versa. Whereas with writing, just because someone reads my book doesn't mean they're not going to read your book. And in fact, if they read my book and I say, hey, I think you'd really like that person's book too they can read that book as well. So it's not as competitive because readers are consumers and they're going to continue to consume. Someone's not going to read one book for the rest of their life and have that be it. Now, having said that, there is definitely some negativity in the writing community. There's a lot of going back and forth. But what's beautiful is that because we are all artists and creators, at the end of the day, those few who are going to unfollow others just for the sake of, you know what, I'm angry because of something you said and I disagree with you, that's going to happen in every single vertical on social media, in the world in general. But when you have people who truly just have the same passion like this, especially when it's an art form, you're going to have, hey, listen, you know what? I can't tell you how to feel. No, I think that's a great point, especially the point about it being... So So in effect, and I think actually I agree with you, that let's just take the simplest, most similar corollary. Indie authors versus, let's say, indie app developers, right? Because they're not exactly similar, but you, you can see the, I think people who listening to the show might be indie app developers will see the connection. You know, if I read your book, I might still read Anne Rice, right? Anne Rice is not going to lose because 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 you win. But if you download, let's just say Overcast, you're probably not going to pay for Pocket Cast, right? Those are two prominent podcasting applications. It is literally zero sum, right? If you hire ThoughtBot, you're not hiring the MadBotter. And in fact, that, I think the consulting one and love ThoughtBot, they're great. If you're in Boston and you like Rails, you should hire them, but you should hire us instead. Kind of teasing. Literally, That's in the case of, where, right? 
Uh, just kind of. But literally, in that case, if ThoughtBot gets the contract, if the Madbotter gets the contract, ThoughtBot doesn't. And it is literally a zero sum, right? There is no way for both of us to win, right? One of us actually has to take the loss. Right. Which- and that's just so not the case with writers because, I mean, just even looking at the books that I have sitting on my desk, four completely different kinds, genres of books. But just because I read one doesn't mean that I don't enjoy and consume the rest. I couldn't put it better myself. Perfect. All right. So we wrap up with two questions because we're, we're going a little long here. So folks, I didn't tell her what the questions were behind, uh, beforehand. No, he did refused. Of, this is a, a test if she listens to the show or not. And I think we're going to find the answer. So the first question is easy. What should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? You probably should have asked me more about who the target audience is for my book. Everybody, you should all buy it. <laughs> All right, so who is the target audience? I'm joking, of course. No, so the target audience. So this book is it's in the vein of the uh, Dead Until Dark series, which a lot of you might know as the series that inspired the show True Blood, because it's definitely geared more at adults. There's some gritty, visceral content, but it would appeal to adult fans of young adult paranormal fantasy with a little bit of romance thrown in. I would say not to exclude men who enjoy that type of thing, but definitely uh, it's more of a look at how women deal with day-to-day life just through the lens of a paranormal romance. So definitely geared more towards women or people who maybe identify as women, but not to exclude the men, because if you like it, please, by all means, I would love it if you read it and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Okay, great. So the second question is pretty easy. You've already answered it. So what does your workstation look like? But Surface Pro, right? Yeah, my Surface Pro. Right. So thank you for coming on. Uh, We'll put links to the book in the show notes on all the available platforms. And yeah, you can follow Laura on Twitter at Laura and Dominic, L-A-R-A-A-N-N-D-O-M-I-N-I-C-K. If you can't find me, just look at his Twitter. You'll find it through there. And website? The website is lauraanddominic.com. And you can find the book at oilandwaterbook.com. Awesome. And we'll get all those in the show notes too, because I know, you know, URLs over audio. I, I've never actually successfully been able to do that. Well, Laura, thank you for coming on and uh, I'm sure I'll see Thanks you for later. for having me. Yeah. You, maybe. Well, maybe later. Maybe. Maybe later. Bye.